Well, once again, thank you for joining us. Um, my name is Jim, and I'm one of the pastors here. For those of you joining us online, maybe for the first time, we're so glad you're here, and we certainly hope it is not your last. For those of you who are near, new here for the first time, I want you to know that we created this place with you in mind, uh, and we have a gift for you. So find one of our, our ushers at the end of the service. We'd be happy to give you a gift, answer any questions you have about Journey. If you are new online, would you let us know in the comments uh, so we could reach out to you? If you have questions, make sure you ask. One of our staff is there, and they'll be happy to answer them. Um, our, our goal here is to help you take a step in the right direction, to take a step into becoming a little bit more like Jesus. And that's what we want to do with this series. We are in part two of a series called Time Well Spent. Um, uh, last week, we, we kind of kicked this thing off, and uh, we, we really kind of, the, the, the tension in all this is we felt like after the year we had, looking back on 2020, what are things we, we would want to learn from that and want to look at this year and say, if we had to experience the same thing again, if we got to the end of 2021, how could we look back on this year and say, well, at least that was time well spent? Uh, we, we start off with a story from Larry Walters. If you don't know who Larry Walters is, you should watch last week's message. Larry Walters had this great line, and he said this. He said, a man can't just sit around. You see, the, the truth is that for all of us, at some point in our life, we're going to realize that time flies by. And maybe it's with the passing of a birthday, as it was for me a few weeks ago, or the, the, the beginning of a new year. Or maybe you just get to a certain point in your life where you look back and you think, man, time is flying. And in the words of Larry, I think he's right. A, a man can't just sit around. We have to do something with the time that we've been given. We, we want to leverage our time and spend our time in a way that we would look back and say, well, at least that was time well spent because we've been given, all of us, a finite amount of time. So we started last week off by uh, really giving you some big rocks. And we used this illustration from Stephen Covey. He's a, a famous author. He did this illustration where he had a, a, a jar on stage. It was a clear jar. It represented your finite time, and it was surrounded by big rocks, medium, small rocks. And he tried to fit all the rocks in this finite jar of time, and the rocks represented your priorities, the things you would fill your day and your, and your life with. And, and when you get to the end, you realize, if I just throw everything in, they're not all going to fit. If I empty them out and I begin to place them in carefully, if I start with the big rocks first, the, the biggest priorities in life, and I fit them in, and then the medium things, the things that, that I have to get done, those fit. And then if I begin to pour in the small rocks, the things that I want to do, but there may, may not be necessities, at the end, they all fit. But you've got to start with what's most important first. So we started this series off by giving you what we feel is, is the biggest rock. One of the most important things we can do as Christians, as Christ followers, and that is to spend time with Jesus. I actually challenged you for 21 days to wake up every morning and spend your morning with Jesus, to have breakfast with Jesus, because as we learned last week, the best way to start your day is to hear what Jesus has to say. So I challenged you to spend the next 21 days waking up and starting your day off with Jesus to find your spot. I got, even got some messages this week and pictures of people saying, here's my spot. I put this chair here and wherever your spot might be to find a spot and say, I'm going to start my day off spending some time with Jesus. So I, I challenge you to be a part of our texting uh, devotional for the, the year. And, and uh, the starting off, you can text JC21 to 97,000. If you haven't done that, you can still be a part of that. We've got two more weeks left of this challenge. Every morning, you'll get a scripture and a reading. And the challenge is whatever time you start your day, it's going to come early. It comes out at 6 a.m. Some of you don't wake up at 6 a.m. Some of you are up before then. Whatever time you start your day, to start your day first, spending a few minutes hearing what Jesus has to say. Because I think 
That is the most important thing we can do. That is the thing that will help us sustain in our relationship and take steps in Jesus' direction, regardless of what the world or culture or uh, (laughs) coronavirus can throw at us. Take a step in his direction. Big rock number one, spend time with Jesus. Today we're going into big rock number two. We're going to talk about prayer. And this isn't a message on the importance of prayer, because if if you're listening or you're here this morning, the hope is is that we all know that prayer has value uh, to this Christianity, to this religion, to following after Jesus. This isn't a message on the importance of prayer. This is a message on how to pray. And I want to start off by telling you a story. We all have maybe funny prayer stories. As a parent, if you're a parent, I'm sure you have some funny prayer stories. Listening to little children pray is always cute and adorable and funny. I have one of my own. It's a prayer I still remember. This was years and years ago. My oldest daughter, Isabella, I was putting her and my middle daughter, Sophia, to bed. And every night we do, we'd put them in their bunk beds and we'd say our prayers. Well, uh, this night, we're saying our prayers together, and Bella starts off her prayers as she always does. She thanks God for the Patriots and for Pepperoncini. I don't know how she's, she likes the Patriots. For, for all of you Patriots fans, I know I'm not from here. I'm from Philadelphia. She should be an Eagles fan. But she thanked God for the Patriots and for Pepperoncini, those spicy peppers she likes to eat. And then she ends her prayer with this way, and God, thank you for my dad and for making him so handsome. And I thought, man, that's, that's like the best prayer, isn't it? That's like, I'll take more of those prayers. And as cute as it is, and I could go on with stories and story after adorable prayers. As a father, I began to think at some point, I hope her prayer life changes into requesting these kind of cute, funny things to really having a genuine connection with her Heavenly Father like I do. At some point, I hope she learns how to pray. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. One day, the disciples are with Jesus, and, and they're observing Jesus, and, and he's kind of off. He's doing his own thing. He's praying, and then he comes back, and, and, and they, they observe Jesus, and they kind of ask this really interesting question. They say, Jesus, I, I, after watching you, that, that's, that was quite amazing, and I feel like we might not be doing something wrong. Jesus, w- would you teach us how to pray? They, they say this, Lord, teach us to pray. And keep in mind, these aren't guys who, who, who've never prayed before. These are guys who grew up praying. They grew up in the synagogue. They say they prayed some of the same prayers we pray because they pray from the same literature some of us pray from, the Old Testament. They, they know how to pray. They've prayed these prayers. Yet when they spent time with Jesus and they observed him praying, they thought, I don't know that I'm doing this right. Which to, to some of us here, maybe that's offensive, right? Like, like, has anybody ever told you after you got done praying, like kind of whispered in your ear, hey, we should meet up this week because... I don't know what you just did there, but that's not right. Like you get done praying for a meal, and it's like, hey, let's meet up afterwards so I can teach you how to actually pray for your meal because I don't know what you did there, but that's not prayer. Like that would be offensive. These are guys that that grew up learning and understanding how to pray. Yet after seeing Jesus pray, whatever he did, however he did it, they thought, we're not doing something right. We're not connecting. We're not praying. We're We're not talking to God the way Jesus is. So Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? My guess is for, some, for most of us here, well, even if you're watching online, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm guessing there was at no point in your life where you went and you found somebody and said, would you teach me how to pray? I mean, we don't, we don't always ask that because most of us are taught from a very early age or maybe from the first time you come to church, well, prayer, it's just talking to God. Prayer, it's just having a conversation with God. But as we're going to find out from what Jesus says, it's, it's not just that. It's, it's so much more than that. But oftentimes, that's what we're taught. Well, it's just having a conversation with God. And for some of you, you've even stopped praying because it, it, it feels weird, right? You're having a conversation with somebody who can't respond. And, and maybe you've even, even said this. Is, is this, like, why do I even do this? Is this just a waste of time? Like, is anyone hearing me? Is anyone out there? Is this even working? Nothing seems to change. Nothing, nothing seems to happen. Why am I even praying? And Jesus said, here, l- l- let me show you. 
So they asked him, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And in another occasion, Jesus says, yes. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And he starts off this way. He says, and when you pray, and it's interesting that he says, and when you pray, because there's an assumption there that you're going to pray. It's not if you pray at some point in your life, when you pray, because you all should be praying, don't be like the hypocrites. And I know we don't have any of those in our church, right? We don't have any hypocrites here, I mean, except for maybe me. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. And I know that that's, that's none of you here. This is a different culture, and I don't think any of you are standing out on the corner, you know, down on Hammond Street or in downtown Bangor, standing up on soapboxes, praying real loud, kind of boisterous prayers. We don't seem to do that in our culture. But in this culture, that's exactly what they did. The, the holy men, the, the, the pastors, the priests, if you will, they stood out and they, they prayed these loud, drawn-out prayers with fancy words, and they prayed so everybody could hear them. It was this, this public spectacle, if you will. They were just making almost a, a show of prayer. And Jesus is saying, listen, don't be like them. They think they're doing it right, but they're not. They don't know how to pray either. Let me show you how to pray. Don't be like them. Don't be like the pagans who stand on the street corners praying to be seen by others. Then he goes on. <clears throat> Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And Jesus brings this idea, and he's going to come to later on, that, that there is a, a reward when you pray, and when you pray right, when you pray properly, there's a reward that comes with prayer. But don't pray like these guys, because they've already got their reward in full. The, 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 being seen by the public eye, being heard as people walk by, that's all the reward they're going to get. Whatever they continue to ask for, all these requests they make to God, they're not getting any of that. They already got their reward. They were seen. Don't pray like them. As a matter of fact, I want you to do something completely different. He said, but when you pray, I, I want you to go into your room. I want you to close the door. And I want you to pray to your Father who's unseen. And as we talked about last week, you know, of finding a spot, finding a time, waking up and having, having your morning with Jesus, Jesus would, would say the same thing. He would say, here's what I want you to do. When you pray, don't go out and be seen by others. Don't, don't try to craft these very formal kind of public prayers with big words, fancy words, more words, long words. Don't get really loud and boisterous. He said, what I'd rather you do is go where no one can see you. Find a corner of your house. Find a closet. F find a place in the woods where you like to go. Be alone. Isolate yourself. Jesus said, the way, here's how you, you really should pray. Get alone where no one else can see you, where there's no distractions, where you can pray to your Father who's unseen. He said, if you want to learn how to pray, pray this way. And if, if I'm being honest, I think we just have to follow Jesus because he set the standard for praying. Here's how you should pray. Pray to your Father who is unseen. And I'm glad he threw that in there because don't we struggle with that in prayer a little bit? When we think about praying, we're praying to somebody who can't see us. And, and yeah, I don't know about you, but I've never heard God audibly talk to me. He's not responding to my prayer. He's like, I, I get it, guys. It, it's a little weird. You're praying to your father who's unseen, but that's exactly what I want you to do. And then your father, your father who's unseen, he's going to see what you do in secret. And here's the thing. He's going to reward you. There's going to be a blessing that comes. If you pray this way, if you don't pray to be this public spectacle, if you don't pray to make a show of it, but you get alone, you dedicate some time, you say, God, I'm going to put you first in my day, and I'm going to pray. The God who doesn't see you, or the God who is unseen, sees you. And I don't know about you, but, but I mean, for some of us, that might be reward enough, wouldn't it? 
I mean, think about it. If we truly believed what Jesus said, if somehow it went from our head to our hearts this morning, that when we prayed, the God of the universe, the God who created everything that can be seen, I mean, this massive, huge cosmic God, when you pray, he knows you're praying. He knows your name. He hears every word. For some of us, that would be reward enough. That's all I would need. It doesn't have to go any further than that. The fact that the God of the universe knows me and hears every word I pray, God, that's good enough. And Jesus said, yeah, but it gets better. God's going to reward you. And we say, oh, well, I don't need a reward. I mean, that, that's selfish. I'm just praying. No, no, you don't understand. When you pray, there's a reward that comes. And for some of us, we're like, well, this is the good. That means I can ask for anything, right? And if I ask for anything, that, that's the kind of thing I get. And I think Jesus said, well, you know, like, hold on, cowboy. If that were true, when you were 16, you'd be driving the Porsche you prayed for. Or, you know, you were 17, you'd drive the tricked out truck you wanted. Or you'd be dating the, you know, the, the prettiest girl or the hottest guy. Like, that, we know those prayers don't work. So that's not what he's talking about. This isn't, if you start the prayer off this way, you're going to pray for whatever you want and you'll get it. No, 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 the reward that's coming is so much bigger and so much better than you just getting what you want. And if we're really honest with ourselves, and we'll touch on this a little, a little later, Aren't we happy we don't always get what we want? I mean, sometimes we ask for really foolish things. You said, no, the reward is, is so much better than that. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans do. They just kept talking. They would, they would just fabricate words and make stuff up and keep going and going because they felt like the longer I prayed and the louder I prayed, the, the, the more I prayed this way, maybe I could get God to, to lean my way. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For, or don't be like them because. Don't pray that way. And sometimes we do, don't we? We hear people pray publicly or we hear somebody give a prayer and say, wow, that prayer was so eloquent and so beautiful. So when we pray, I know I did this as a kid. I try to make up words and be long and eloquent like the people I heard praying. God's saying, don't be that way. Here's why they're praying that way. They're praying that way because they think the longer they go and the louder they get and the more boisterous they get and, 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 and even violent in some cases, they would slash themselves and do these crazy antics. Like the, the more they would do this, that somehow they would convince God and it would, it would bend God in their direction. And it would be, okay, I, I've done this long enough. God's so overwhelmed with my beautifully eloquent prayers. He's gonna give me whatever I want. And I've just bent God's will in my direction. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't pray that way. They think doing that, they're going to get their reward. It's not how it works. That's not prayer. It says for or, or because. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need, even before you ask him. <clears throat> and we hear that, and, and I don't know about you, but it begins to raise a question. Well, if, if God knows what I need before I ask him, if he knows all my needs, and we can add once, or if he knows all my wants, if, if he has a, a great list of that, then what's the point in asking? Right? I'm sure that's what they're thinking when they hear Jesus' words. But well, <clears throat> if, I mean, that's why these pagans are praying. They're praying these loud, long, word-filled prayers so that they can get what they want. And Jesus is saying, well, don't worry. God already knows what you need even before you ask him. Well, then Jesus, what's the point in asking? And then Jesus says, here's what I want to do. <clears throat> Let me show you how. This then is how you should pray. Or another way of saying that is, this is how you should pray. Here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray like me. I want you to follow this. And what comes next is something we're all very familiar with. You've probably heard this many times. If you're Catholic or grew up in the Catholic church, as much of my family did, I'm guessing you've said this prayer a thousand times. It was probably even used as a form of discipline. You did something wrong, so you have to say this prayer over and over and over again. 
And I'm guessing that the prayer at some point in your life even became a little meaningless. But here's what I want you to do this morning. No matter where you are, if you're sitting here or you're at home, I want you to listen to what Jesus says, maybe for the first time, afresh and anew. To not just hear the words Jesus says, but to hear what he's, the words that he's saying, what they mean. What he, the point he's trying to get across. Because he's not giving like some magic formula that if you say this prayer and you say it the way Jesus said it, that you're just going to get whatever you want. Like somehow magically, everything you want's going to happen. I mean, we don't believe that. That's superstition. That's religion. That's, that's weird. That's not Christianity. That's not spirituality. Jesus is saying, I want to give you a new way to do this. I want to give you a, a new way to pray. I want to give you th this on-ramp to prayer, maybe that you've never considered before. I, I want to create for you a, a new way of looking at prayer. And then he goes into what is the most famous prayer probably in all of Scripture. You know it. You can say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I don't know about you, but that's not how a lot of my prayers start. It doesn't sound a lot like, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Now let me get to what's important. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Oh, and I, can, I hope for this, and I want this, and I pray for this. And God, would you make this happen? He said, no, 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 here's what, what I want you to do. I want you to, for a moment when you begin to pray, I want you to pause. And I want you to think about who you're talking to. That, that this, this grand creator, this grand designer, this 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 person, this being who's responsible for creating everything you can see, the things you can't see, the universe that we're still trying to explore and understand. I mean, he is just so big and so grand. I mean, that's what Hollywood means. It's like your name is big. Your name is, is, is different. It's other than. It's set apart. Like, like God, this, this amazing God, this huge being has invited you to call him Father. There's something strangely like huge and cosmic, yet deeply personal and intimate. And Jesus said, I want you to pause for a minute. I want you to remember who you're talking to. This isn't something we should be doing, rushing through and just to get to what we feel is important, our needs and our wants. Jesus said, God already knows all that. When you pray, pause. Take a moment. Remember who it is you're talking to because that God is different. He's not like any of the other gods. He's this big, ginormous God. But he cares about you. And he wants to know you. He's saying, I want you to take a moment. I want you to understand how big God is. In this culture, Father represents some things that we might be familiar with. But in this culture, it was even bigger than that. Father represented trust. Father represented that you have my best interest in mind. Father represented that whatever you want, I'll do, even if I don't agree with it. Father re represented tender and intimate, yet authority. And Jesus saying, this is how I want you to start your prayer. I want you to remember who it is you're talking to. And then I want you, I, I want you to honor. I want you to say, hallowed be your name. God, you are so big. You are so grand. It's amazing to me that you could create all of this. Yet you're so concerned about me and my life. And then he gets to a part of the prayer that a lot of us, we want to skip over when it comes to our prayers. We don't even touch on this part. We might start off with something fancy like Heavenly Father or something like Our Father. But then we skip this next part because we want to get to us. And God said, hold up for a minute. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And that's Jesus saying, if, if you paused at the first part, you need to really put the brakes on for this second part. 
At this point, you need to almost take a step back because here's what God's saying. Jesus is saying, what I want you to do when you come to prayer, when you come to God, I, I want you to remember for a minute who you're coming to. There's this infinite, this, this mighty being, this great God who knows you and loves you. And then I want you to put yourself on the back burner and remember. But, but before we get to anything that I'm concerned about, all, all my list of wants, all my cares, all my dreams, all my aspirations, Father, your will be done. At, way before it gets to my will. I, I need to surrender myself to you. Surrender my will to you so that your will can be done. And that's tough because the truth is we all have, I have a kingdom. You, I mean, you have a kingdom. We all have kingdoms. I have a will. You have a will. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my kingdom, the, the people around me, the people in my kingdom, they don't remember that I'm the king. And that gets frustrating. I, I don't know. You, sometimes in, in your kingdom, my guess is <clears throat> your family doesn't recognize that you're the smartest person in the room. And that if they just listened to you and did what you said, then the world would be absolutely perfect and everything would go back to normal. I mean, we, we, we have these kingdoms that we've set up. And it's about my kingdom and my concern and things aren't happening in my kingdom. And God's saying, yeah, yeah, but I, I know before we get there, though, my kingdom first. <clears throat> my kingdom, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, before we ever get to our list of needs, we need, to, we need to be able to sincerely say, God, but not what I'm going to get to in a minute. I pray that your will will be done first. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You see, we need to be more committed to God's will than we need to be committed to our own. And here's the thing. For some of us, that's a challenge. You see, the purpose of prayer, and here's the bottom line for today, the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not impose it, but for many of us, isn't that how we treat prayer? Like, like we're coming to some cosmic genie or cosmic slot machine and we're just going to keep yanking that lever until we get what we want? It's all about getting what I want. I'm just going to go to God and have this conversation with God about all my needs and all my concerns. And really, I'm not concerned about, you know, God and Halloween and, and your kingdom. No, no, no. My kingdom, my will, my ways, my needs, my wants. And you say, no, you see, you got it all backwards. God already knows all about your kingdom and your ways and your wants and your desires. He wants to know, are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to put him first? Are you putting his kingdom first? You see, for some of us, this should dictate how long our prayers last for. How long should I pray? Well, until, until we can get to here. Until we can honestly, sincerely say, God, your kingdom first. Your will be done. For some of us, that's not going to take very long. For some of us, we, we, we've honored God, we've served God our whole life, and we, this is just our, kind of remembering where we've been and what we've come through and what God's done for us. For others, it's going to take a while. As we continue to work through and continue to humble ourselves and remember, the infinite great God loves us, and his will will be done. He wants to know, are you on board with it? See, here's something you need to know. If you want to know a prayer that works 100% of the time, that's the prayer that works 100% of the time. That prayer never fails. If you want a prayer that's always going to work, that you're always going to get an answer to, pray this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. But mine's last, mine's secondary. We'll get there, and you already know all that stuff anyway. But God, how can I be a part of your kingdom? How can I be a part of bringing your will to this world? 
And, and yeah, it gets hard, right? There's bumps in the road. There's frustrations. There's, there, there's challenges before us. Sometimes our marriage doesn't go the way we want and our financial life's falling apart or we're worried about our kids or our career, whatever it might be. And, and God's not saying, see, those stuff, it's not that those stuff aren't important. I am deeply concerned about those things as you are. And we'll get there. But are you willing to be a part of what I'm doing? Because just maybe I have plans for those things in your life, but it's not going to go the way you thought. Are you willing to humble? Are you willing to stay here long enough so that you would say, your kingdom come, your will be done? Because if you are, and this is where I think most of us tend to struggle, if we would stay at the beginning long enough, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the latter part of the prayer Man, that goes fast. And it's not that we forget about those things. It's not even that those things aren't important anymore. It's just that they're not as important when we remember that we stand in the presence, that we've been invited to call this, this amazing being Father and that he cares for us and that his will is the best will for us. But then all those other things, they just, they just are kind of there. And they'll come and he'll answer but they don't seem as important when we realize whose presence we're standing in, when we realize the God that we're praying to. Jesus didn't end there, though. He knew, ultimately, what was in the heart of man and that we'd want to get to the, to the good stuff, right? So he gets to the good stuff. He says, give us, and now we're in. All right, we've done all the, all the hard work, right? We, we've, we've humbled ourselves. We remember whose presence we're standing in, this great and glorious God, and we remember that, that his will is better than our will, and his glory is so much bigger and better than my glory. I, I, like, I have no glory. I'm just a, a blip on the radar of, of God, but <clears throat> that, that blip doesn't make me insignificant. It actually makes me deeply significant because even though I, my life might be like a second to God, he took enough time to say, but I still want you to call me Father. I got all that down. Jesus says, now, Give us today, and listen to what he says that we should be asking for. Give us today our daily bread. It's, it's a lot different than how we ask for things, isn't it? This would, would bring his Jewish audience back to their ancestors when they were coming out of the land of Egypt on the way to the Holy Land, and they needed food, and every morning they'd wake up, and God would provide daily bread, manna on the ground, and that there would only be enough for the day. Moses actually warned them, only pick enough for today. There's only enough bread for today. It's almost like creating this dependency on God where we would constantly remind ourselves that we're dependent on him for his, for his, his provision. That's really what it is. We're dependent on God for his provision. And Moses said, remember all, all, all this, <clears throat> that God is providing this daily bread for you now, but there will come a point in your life, there will come a point in your nation or in your family when you're going to have more than enough where it's not just going to be daily bread, but there's going to be plenty. And, and nations from around the world will come and they'll want to buy their bread and their grain and their resource from you. Remember, even in those moments, when everything you need is provided for, that it all came from me. Your pantry might be full. Your fridge might be full. You might have a beautiful house and cars uh, and boats. None of those things are wrong. God's saying in those moments when you have those things, don't look back and say, look what I did. Look back and say, look what God did. Remember where the provision came from. Imagine if we leave here this afternoon and you, you, know, you close down your web browser and you, you know, start serving your lunch. Before you eat, you say this prayer with your family. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this food, Lord. We remember that this food was provided for you. 
that even though our fridge is full and our, and our pantry is full and we have a, and a shelter over our heads and, and our bank accounts aren't empty, that we have all this provision. God, we want to take this moment to, to recognize that we are just as dependent on you now for your provision as we were when we had nothing. Begin to change the way you think about the stuff you have, wouldn't it? See, really, this is just a, a call or a prayer or a reminder of where our provision comes from. Jesus said, you can ask. You can ask God. Give us today our daily bread. Oh, and by the way, while you're asking God for things, make sure you ask God for this too, he says. And forgive us our debts. Well, Jesus, I, I, I want that. I want to be forgiven. I want, I want the debt paid. I want the, the guilt gone. He said, yeah, but, but remember, it's reciprocal. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You see, for, for many of us, it's easy to ask for forgiveness. It's really hard to offer it, though, isn't it? Jesus said, you want to learn how to pray? I want you to get to a place where you constantly ask God for forgiveness because we're going we're gonna to make mistakes. We're, we're going to mess up. No, no one is sinless. But I also want you to remember every time you ask God to forgive you, that you are to reciprocate that and forgive others. And just as, as that moment we had to, to take a time to humble ourselves, to remember, God, your will be done before my will be done, this is the other part of the prayer where we're going to get held up on it. For some people, it's going to take a while. For some times in your life, you're going to fly through that. God, forgive us and, and help me to forgive those that, that, that have wronged me or that have hurt me. Then there's going to be other times in your life where you're going to feel so wronged and so hurt and so destroyed by somebody. It's going to catch you up, and it's going to take a while to get through that. But Jesus said, remember, if you expect God to forgive, you need to forgive. We can ask for forgiveness because God sent his son to the world to pay our debt and die for our sin. Really, we can ask for pardon. That's what this is. We need pardon. And Jesus pardoned us. And there are people that have wronged us who need pardon as well. And Jesus said, if you expect to be forgiven from your father, then you also need to offer that pardon to others. Forgive as you have been forgiven. He said, that's a great thing to ask for. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation because we can do it all by ourselves. And if you're new to this, you're probably thinking, does the Bible really say that? No, it doesn't say that. I just want to see if you're paying attention. <clears throat> that's my version. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And depending on how you learn this, that, that Greek phrase that's translated evil one can also be translated evil. Deliver us from evil, deliver us from the evil one, whatever, however you want to translate it, it all kind of makes the same sense. Here, here's kind of the, the, the point in what Jesus is getting at here. It, it, it's that we want to be set free. We want to be spared from sinning again. We don't want to continue to sin. And when we pray, it should be not just to forgive us from our sins, but help us to not sin anymore, to not, to not give in to the evil anymore. But, but so many of us, and we've practiced this for years. Christians have done this for thousands of years. We've practiced this where we come in and we say our prayer and we empty our sin bucket and then we go out that week and we continue to sin knowing, well, I can come back to pray and ask God to forgive me and it's all going to be good. And Jesus, I think, would absolutely be disgusted. I think he would vomit if he knew that's how we treated prayer. If that's how we pray, Jesus would say, you've got it all wrong. That is not prayer. Prayer isn't coming and making yourself feel better, just saying these empty prayers so that you can go back and do those kinds of things. As a matter of fact, 
and, and I thought before that I would even offend you with this. Here's where it's going to get offensive. If that's how you want to pray, don't pray. That's a joke prayer, and it's just to make yourself feel better. Jesus said, Here, here's what I want you to do when, when you pray. I want you to pray in a way where, I, God, I don't want to sin anymore. I, I don't want to do evil things anymore. I don't want to do the wrong things. Keep me from evil. Keep me from following that path. Keep me from, from, from temptation. You know what it's really a, par- a prayer for? It's a prayer for protection. God, protect me from following down that path. Protect me from committing more evil. Protect me from ever sinning again. I don't want to sin. I don't want to follow that routine where, where you know, I ask for forgiveness and I feel good and then I go and sin and I feel guilty and I come back and I do it again. God, I don't want to sin anymore. Jesus said, that's when I want you to pray. If you think prayer is just making yourself feel better so you can go off and do the things you know you shouldn't do, don't pray. That's not prayer. Pray when you don't want to do it anymore. Pray when you realize what's been done for you, what's been sacrificed for you, and you've had enough, and you want to break the pain, you want to break the hurt, you want to break the sin. That's when I want you to pray. For for that protection. For you. For those around you. And then it's concluded. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is like the, the grand climax of the verse, right? The, the crescendo where the choir sings. Here's what I want to tell you about this. This isn't in a lot of translations in the Bible, and, and here's why. Because <clears throat> this was added in newer manuscripts and not in some of the older manuscripts that were translated. And, and all, all that said, this isn't a bad thing. This is a great way to conclude the prayer. What I think happened, my guess is, that scholars viewed this teaching on prayer and thought it was so amazing, and then Jesus kind of spins immediately and starts talking about forgiveness. And they're thinking, but that, we got to conclude it. That was a beautiful piece of literature. So we're just going to review, and that's the review. For thine is the kingdom. It's your kingdom, not my kingdom. For, and the power. God, you have all the power. I have none. And the glory. God, your glory is so much bigger than my glory could ever be. Forever and ever. Amen. I mean, it's not a bad way to conclude a prayer. It's an amazing way to do it. It's just not in the actual prayer. So we're going to review. And here's what we're going to do. If you're here this morning, in the back they have some cards that, that you can receive on your way out that kind of walks through what we've discussed so you can review it, keep it in your Bible so you can re- remind and teach yourself how to pray. If you're online this morning, I didn't forget about you. We're going to post that same image online so you can have it as well. You can print it out, save it, bookmark it, whatever you want. But, but here's what it's going to cover. Just a quick review. When you pray, you want to learn how to pray like Jesus said. He said, here's how I want you to start. I want you to declare God's greatness. I want you to find ways to declare it. God, hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven. And, and add your own words. Come up with other adjectives. Get some synonyms. Get creative. Read the scripture and find what else the scripture says about God and begin to declare doubt about God. Throw in your own stuff. Jesus said, don't, you don't have to repeat this prayer and say this prayer over and over again like other people do. Come up with your own way of doing it. Declare God's greatness. Talk about how amazing he is. And, and, and as you're declaring God's greatness, that, then you can surrender your will and you can find ways to make that personal to you about how you want to surrender and how you want God to be first and you to be second. And then acknowledge your dependence. Remember that everything you have came from God and that you're dependent on him. Before you ever get to these other things, the provision, the pardon, the protection, get to those things and you can ask for them. But here's how I want you to start. Declare God's greatness. Remember how amazing he is. Surrender your will. God, it's your will, not mine. It's your dreams, not mine. It's your aspirations, not mine. And then acknowledge your dependency. God, I couldn't do any of this without you. I wouldn't have any of this without you. 
What do you want from me? How can I be a part of your plan and your will in this world? Imagine, if you would, for a moment, if every Christian in every church started every morning this way, our world would look completely different, wouldn't it? Our government would look completely different. What we experienced this week would not happen by people who follow Jesus. If we said, God, your will first, not mine. Your kingdom first, not mine. Then you can get to provision. Then you can get to pardon. Then you can get to protection. But God, you first. You see, prayer, the way Jesus modeled it, is a humbling experience. Not, not a time when we come and we just, we say all of our things that we need, that we want. Prayer is a moment for us to humble our hearts and put God first. It, it, it's a moment to bend ourselves in God's direction instead of trying to force God to bend in our direction. And this prayer works 100% of the time. It works 100% of the time for this reason. Because it doesn't bend God. It bends us. It bends us to the plan that God's had all the time, through all history, to do this redemptive act in the world, to save people and bring people the hope and the life that only he can bring, the peace that only he can bring. You want to know what the reward is? The reward is so much better than just getting what we want. I mean, aren't we happy we didn't get what we want? Some of us, we, we pray and we ask for things that we look back down and think, God, thank you so much for saying no. Thank you for not letting that happen. He said, the reward for you is peace. The reward for you is hope. The reward for you is life. The reward for you is contentment. The reward for you is trust. And those are things that outweigh us getting what we want every single time. God said, that's what I want for you. I want prayer to move you. I want you to bend in my direction. I want you to find the hope and the peace and the trust that comes from me. This prayer works every time. And my guess is for many of us, as we begin to think through this prayer, the immediate, the immediate concerns come to our mind, but when am I going to get to pray about my marriage? When am I going to get to pray about my lack of marriage? When am I going to get to pray about my kids? Because God, have you seen my kids? What about my grades? What about my tests? What about my financials? Like my bank account's on empty and my check engine light's on. Like, God, what about all these other things? And I said, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know all those things. And I'm just as concerned about them as you are. But can you get to a place in your prayer where you say, God, regardless of any of that, your kingdom come and your will be done. See, when you can sincerely say that, God says, then maybe you would trust me enough to do something in those experiences that you never thought possible. Maybe I, I could use this, this relationship that you think is awful to do something amazing. You're praying for your prodigal son or daughter. Would you trust me enough to take a little more time to get them to a place where they trust me, where they believe in me, where they have a relation with me like they've never had before? And it may not go the way you thought. And we only get there by being sincere, by humbling ourselves and saying, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come. That's a prayer that in weeks, in days, in months, at the end of 2021, we would all look back and say, that was time well spent. And that is my prayer for you. That at the end of this year, we would all look back and say, that was time well spent. So here's my challenge. 
just as I challenged you last week to wake up and spend the first part of your day having breakfast with Jesus, <clears throat> reading and spending some time with him, I want to challenge you to find a spot and pray and walk through this card. Say it in your words. Declare God's greatness. Submit your will. Acknowledge your dependency on him. DSA is the beginning of that. And DSA stands for something. It's a reminder for you and it's a reminder for me. Don't start off asking. Don't jump to your prayer, dear Heavenly Father, now let me get to the things that are important in my life. Remember who you're praying to. Remember that he has a plan for you. Remember that everything you have comes from him. Friends, that prayer is a good prayer. And it works every time. And it is time well spent. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for another opportunity to dive into, into your scripture, God, into this incredible teaching by Jesus. Lord, I, I thank you that for so many of us, prayer is this, this weird thing that maybe we do on occasion, but God, we, we don't fully understand. But God, my prayer is that in this moment, we would. We would understand and we would, we would see what's before us. God, we would, we would pray like Jesus taught us to pray. God, not to bend you in our direction, but, but God, hopefully to humble ourselves and bend in your direction. Because after all, Lord, it is about your kingdom and your will. I pray that you would use us. I pray that you'd give us the courage this week to wake up early, to find the spot, God, to pray these prayers. For some of us, Lord, it, it may be difficult. It may be long periods of prayer, but we have to humble our hearts. Or we have to forgive people we don't want to forgive. But God, I pray that as we do, we would begin to experience the peace Lord, the forgiveness, the trust, the hope that only you can provide. I thank you for it, Lord. And I pray that as we continue to make these things a part of our life, to add another rock to, to that, that finite bucket of time, that we would be able to look back at the end of all this and say, God, this year, the time with God, the time praying, it is time well spent. I thank you for all of it. In Jesus' precious name.